Hello, beautiful souls. In an effort to relieve some of the stress surrounding the coronavirus pandemic, I have decided to release the Soul Flow audiobook here on this podcast for free. There are 15 chapters in total, 17 if you count the introduction and closing thoughts, and a new chapter will be released daily starting Friday, March 20th, 2020 through Sunday, April 5th, 2020. Please enjoy this free audiobook, and if you'd like to support me and my work, consider leaving a review on Amazon or for this podcast, following me on social media. My Instagram handle is author Kristen Martin, posting about this book to social media, and sharing this podcast and my other resources, which you can find linked in the show notes with your friends and family. I am sending love and light to you all during this time. Enjoy the audiobook. Chapter 5. The Judgment Disorder In my first personal development book, Be Your Own Hashtag Goals, I had an entire chapter dedicated to the dangers of comparison, so it only seemed fitting that I include its sister chapter in this book, On Judgment. The world we now live in is a breeding ground for comparison and judgment thanks in large part to the rise of technology and the internet. With the touch of a button, social media has made it possible to share the highlights, our accomplishments, wins, and proudest moments, but it seems to be at the expense of our self-worth. My judgment disorder started young, in fifth grade. I distinctly remember envying a girl's unparalleled beauty, sense of style, and rising popularity. As the tomboy with frizzy hair and glasses, oh judgment, my old friend, I wanted a taste of that kind of acceptance. I mean, who wouldn't? One day, this girl wore a pair of blue jean overalls with a rainbow-striped shirt underneath to school. It was the 90s in Indiana. Overalls? Now that's something tomboy Kristen could get behind. The dresses and skirts? Not so much. But overalls? Heck yes. Every time I passed her in the hall, I couldn't help but notice her outfit. I also couldn't help but notice the way people fell at her feet, complimenting her and wanting to walk with her to class. So what did I do when I got home that day from school? I asked my mom if we could go shopping. Mind you, we'd just gone back to school shopping, but my mom was such a team player when I was growing up that she agreed. I had a feeling I'd find a way to satiate my outfit envy by shopping at Limited 2, trying so hard not to date myself here, and sure enough, I did. In fact, I found the exact same outfit. I'm sure you can sense where this is going. Oh no, Kristen. Oh no, you didn't. Oh yes. Yes, I did. Overjoyed, I hastily pulled the rainbow striped shirt and overalls from their hangers, ran into the first open curtain-covered stall, and tried them on. I'm sure my mom was thinking the entire time that this wasn't my style at all, but again, as a team player, she bought the outfit for me anyway. Pink and purple bag in hand, we made for the parking lot and headed home. How I wish that were the end of the story, but alas, it isn't. I waited quite some time, a week, which is forever when you're a 10-year-old, to wear that outfit to school. And you know what happened the day I did? She wore hers again. Cue curling up into a ball in adamant refusal to leave my bedroom for the foreseeable future. As females, for some reason, we have this unspoken judgment that wearing the same thing as another woman is shameful. I don't know how this thought percolated or why it stuck around all these years, but whether it's a chance accident or on purpose, like my situation, for most, it's pretty high up on what I like to call the oh shit list. 
especially at weddings, I've recalled so many occasions where two women who are wearing the same dress pretend to laugh it off and take photos together the entire evening, suddenly becoming besties. Except they're not, because it's all just an act. I know this because of the many Kirk conversations I've accidentally stumbled on in the bathroom during said weddings. Ladies, why do we do this? Why does it even matter? I can promise you that it's not a big deal. It's only a big deal if you make it one. No one's going to remember the dress debacle of 2015 except for you and maybe your new bestie. Just saying. I digress. Back to my fifth grade drama. Seeing as my wearing the exact same outfit wasn't a chance accident, I knew I'd be in for a real treat. Because everyone had seen her wear it first, I was undoubtedly the copycat. And I was. I wholeheartedly admit to that. I liked her outfit, so I bought the same one. Fortunately, this girl was extremely nice and we ended up becoming very close friends that day, especially when I learned that she lived in my neighborhood. She wasn't mean or cruel or condescending about the fact that I'd copied her, and she certainly didn't make a big deal about it. To her, it was just another day at school. And since she was okay with it, and showed that she was okay with it, everyone else just so happened to be too. I didn't know it back then, but what people were drawn to had absolutely nothing to do with her outfit. It was her self-assurance, her confidence in who she was. And I must say, for a fifth grader, that's pretty mature and admirable behavior. From what I could gather, she didn't waste time with comparison or judgment. There was no who wore it better, no copycat mentality on her end. We were just two girls at school who happened to be wearing the same outfit. Did I feel somewhat embarrassed that day? Yes. Did I judge myself for it? Yes. Although I was too young to understand that that's what I was doing. Up until that point, I'd been taught that copying others was shameful, that you should always aim to be original and think for yourself. To some degree, I agree with this. But as with everything in life, there is a balance here, yin and yang. Now, I'm not saying that you should copy someone flat out like I did with that outfit or plagiarize work that isn't yours. If it's not yours, don't try to take credit for it. But to draw inspiration from things that speak to you, that's perfectly okay in my book. In fact, I believe it's absolutely necessary in order to tap into your soul flow. Consider this for a moment. Who would the writer be without her muse? What would the vocalist sing about if not for the songwriter's poetry? What would the painter brush across his canvas if not for the rolling hills of Tuscany? What would the chef cook if not first experiencing dishes from all over the world? All art is inspired. All creation is inspired. We talked about consumption versus creation in the last chapter, specifically why and how we should endeavor to create more than we consume. Creating something from nothing can lead to pride, achievement, and new opportunities, but it can also lead to doubt, judgment, and comparison. We may not realize it, but so much of who we are and what we do longs to be kept within, but somehow, through our egos and what have you, always ends up outside of ourselves. What do I mean by this? The times when I'm happiest and truly tapped into my soul flow aren't when I'm responding to comments on my YouTube videos, launching digital courses and programs, or releasing books into the world. It's when I'm completely and utterly alone with my art, when I am truly one with my art. 
It's in the brainstorming and mind mapping for my next book, the nitty gritty of building the modules for future self-study programs, the actual typing of the words on the screen, what I'm doing at this very moment as I sit on an airplane headed to Phoenix. But the moment that program is launched or that video is posted or that book is published, that's the space where it shifts from being my art to being content. This isn't to say that I'm not insanely thankful for my tribe, my fans, my viewers, my platform, for those of you reading this book right now, because I am, and it's to a degree that cannot even be put into words. It's because of you that I am able to do what I love for a living, and for that, I am eternally grateful. That shift, though, from art to content is where soul flow begins to wither as doubt swoops in to take its place. Suddenly, your art your creation, is out there for everyone to judge, review, criticize, and compare. It's also there for people to admire, appreciate, praise, and reward. Want to know what's sad about that last sentence I just wrote? I had no problem coming up with all the negative things people do when it comes to art, like judging, reviewing, criticizing, and comparing. But when it came to the positive stuff, I had to highlight the word praise and click find synonyms in the drop-down menu. If you could see me right now, I'm shaking my head. Why is it that when it comes to music, books, movies, artwork, or any other creation, people have this uncivilized urge to try to rip it apart? Why do we always look for the bad? Why do we compare this movie to that one? Why do we attempt to dismantle an author's plot before the entire series has been released? Why do we stoop so low and say things like, Oh, I love that song, but I can't stand Taylor Swift. And I'm just using that as an example because I'm a total Swifty. What is it about human nature that makes us so prone and so drawn to judge and compare? At first, I thought it would be a complex answer, one that would require a lot of research, analysis, and, get this, comparison, when in fact, it's really quite simple. It's because of a lack of acceptance. That's it. No bells and whistles, no fancy terminology. At some point in our lives, as a child, adolescent, or perhaps later on in adulthood, we face some form of rejection. We're told we aren't good enough, aren't strong enough, aren't pretty enough, aren't smart enough, aren't capable enough, aren't enough in general. Are we sensing a pattern here? We all handle rejection in different ways. For some, rejection is a brutal slap in the face that ceases all future pursuit of their hopes and dreams. For others, the lifetime of rejection gets buried underneath the surface and results in unmanaged pain, which then manifests in its own pit of darkness, despair, and insecurity, what we know today as gossip columns, many news cycles, trolls, haters, and the like. But for a select few, like me, it lights a fire under their ass because ain't nobody going to tell them what they can and cannot do. Someone else's judgment of your work, your art, your creation does not matter. What they compare it to does not matter. What they say in their review does not matter. Art is subjective. It always will be. And if not for the courageous, beautiful souls in this world who create, who bring you movies and books and art and music and entertainment, just what would you do with your time? Honestly, die of boredom? There would be nothing to consume, nothing to judge, nothing to compare, nothing to criticize. Anyone can consume, but it takes a very courageous individual to create.
The only people you should take advice from are those playing in the same arena, those who have skin in the game, because those people actually know what the hell they're talking about. If I took advice from every reader and every book review, guess what? Every single one of my books would be writing the Hot Mess Express. They'd be unrecognizable. They wouldn't be mine anymore. I don't know about you, but I'd rather have something be wholly, irrevocably mine, even if that means getting thousands of bad reviews. At least I did something. I took an idea and created something from nothing. I had the courage to put myself out there. I made art. That's a hell of a lot more than most people can say for themselves. Okay, I'll get off of my soapbox now. But really, that's something to think about. Back to judgment. Judgment stems from lack of acceptance or, put more plainly, from rejection. Judgment needs you to be in this state of lack in order for it to not just survive, but thrive. In a twisted way, judgment is a defense mechanism, one that's trying to protect you from feeling hurt by people who don't understand you. Facing rejection simply means that we aren't accepted, that we're misunderstood, This then leads us to thinking that we're not enough. From that point forward, we see everything through a lens of not enough, and that lens can be pointed at ourselves or at other people, or both. Our disappointment in our own failures and rejections leads us to look for faults in others. Looking for faults in ourselves and in others results in judgment, envy, comparison, competition, This pains me to admit, but I used to pass judgment on women who weren't financially independent, namely those that I referred to as glorified housewives. Just typing that makes me feel all sorts of embarrassed, but as someone who works tirelessly on her goals and earns that sense of achievement, I used to look down on those women who stayed at home, who didn't have to go to work, who didn't have to worry about making a living. I thought that they were lazy, that they'd taken the easy way out, and that they'd never know accomplishment the way a hustler, like me, would. Harsh, right? Until I realized something that shook me to my core. I envied these women, and what I envied about them was their freedom. Their days were whatever they wanted them to be. They could be filled with cooking and baking and cleaning and brunching and exercising and reading or writing a book or building a business or impacting others. Ding, ding, ding. My, doesn't that sound familiar? Deep down, I'd always desired the freedom to spend my time however I wanted, but I'd spent most of my life studying in school, pursuing higher education on a path to start a booming, successful career that would help me become financially independent. That was my journey. So just because someone was handed a trust fund or happened to marry someone wealthy doesn't make their path any less valid. It's just different. Our judgments have a way of signaling to us what it is we truly desire. If you find yourself judging another woman's bold outfit choices, perhaps it's because you wish you had the courage to wear the neon leggings and leopard jacket that are currently collecting dust in your closet. If you find yourself judging someone for following their passions, perhaps it's because you wish you'd taken the time to discover passions of your own. If you find yourself judging anything for any reason, perhaps you should ask yourself why that thought appeared in your mind in the first place. 
What nudge is your judgment trying to give you? If left unchecked, judgment will run your life. Envy and jealousy will eat you alive. Comparison will breed competition. Ultimately, you'll find yourself criticizing all the people who are doing the very things you wish you had the courage to pursue. Hatred will get you absolutely nowhere. Fear will get you absolutely nowhere. Listen, there's enough room for everyone at the table. There's enough room for your books and your friends' books and that other girl's books, for indie books and traditionally published books. There's enough room for this style of coaching and that style of coaching. There's enough room for this fitness program and that strength training regimen. There's enough room for gluten-free, sugar-free, and vegan cupcakes. There is enough room. The universe is infinite, a never-ending platter of individual expression and a buffet of endless options. No one and nothing is perfect. And guess what? If you don't vibe with something, you don't have to consume it. It's completely your choice. At the end of the day, we're all just doing our best. Your judgment might say that that's not good enough, but it is. You just have to decide that it's good enough for you. Reflection. When was the last time you passed judgment, whether out loud or in your head? Was it at the cafe when a woman burst through the doors, balancing a cell phone in one hand and a stroller in the other? Was it when you wrote that last chapter, read through it, and decided that you were the worst writer on the planet? Was it in a hurtful comment you left online or in an overly critical review? Reflect on that. How did it make you feel in the moment? How do you feel right now? Tearing others and ourselves down only dims the light in this world. If you find that you pass judgment on a regular basis, work on pinpointing what form of past rejection that particular judgment stems from. When were you made to feel like you weren't enough? How did that make you feel? And why would you want to make anyone else feel that way? You have a choice. Your words can either plant gardens or burn whole forests down. Take some time to think about five things that you admire about yourself and also think about five people you admire and why. And then email those people or comment on their social media accounts and let them know how they've impacted you.